Hello and welcome to Geek Space 9, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series Deep Space 9. With me as always is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I am good. I had a very very wonderful first Christmas with my girlfriend. Yay. Um and I am exhausted but very happy. So it's all good. Oh, that's great. And I'm wrapped up in the the fleece blanket that her mother gave me and I'm cuddling with the the porg that Katie gave me. Oh. <laughs> it's great. Give us a little Should bit I of that pork talk. Noise? Yeah. Yes. It'll be copyrighted but we'll be fine. <laughs> and i think with that we're gonna win every podcast award that's ever been made yes so sarah please tell the that is brought to you um but from the the porg critter from star wars the last jedi it is not our sound it is from a, a piece of merchandise from Disney. But what did you name this Please porg? Please don't sue us. I named this porg Locutus of Porg. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to a picture sent to me by Ben on the day that The Last Jedi came out of, of course, Captain Picard in all of his Borg gear with a little porg on his shoulder with all sorts of Borg gear. <laughs> it's great. Resistance to Porgs is futile. And yes, oh yeah, true. With us as well, one of two people with much fancier upgrades and mics. It's Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? Uh, with this mic, uh, my, mine is the whole troublesome bit of me trying to figure out like the, like the setup for this thing. Other than that, um. I'm feeling pretty good. I now have a like a pretty solid mic thanks to Ben. So this is pretty sweet. I can't wait to hear, like hear myself with a new mic on every single uh, Tuscan Shed episode for whatever from here on out. So this is exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a small That's triumph, right. but I, it's a but it's, but it's a good triumph. Yes, I I gave Peter my old mic because I just got a uh, for Christmas. My big present was a uh, blue Yeti mic. So it Ooh. is a uh, very nice mic that could change directions and all kinds of nerdy things that uh, I've been telling my parents about. They're like, that's nice. I don't think they care <laughs> one bit, but they're glad that I am happy. So thank you, Mom and Dad, very much. I love it. It's beautiful. And uh, forgive me as I learn all the various ways uh, I can fuck up recording with it because it is very fancy and I have to figure out all the little knobs and dials. But isn't that what the mm-hmm. most fun part of getting a new toy is? figuring out those little little details so anyways i hope oh, uh, yes. i'm very excited that even though we're towards the end of our podcast in some ways uh not necessarily we'll talk about that eventually but uh we uh we at least now have beautiful crystal clear audio and we can all listen back to our voices and go is that what i sound like Ugh. at least that's what i do right <laughs> All right. Well, this week we are talking about season six, episode nine, and episode ten, which are statistical probabilities and the magnificent Ferengi. So first up is Cute. yes, uh, very obvious movie tie-in there, which I did not realize they were going to do as directly. So I'm very excited to talk about this one. Yeah. But we got to get through this one first. So the first up is statistical probabilities. 
Dr. Bashir is assigned a very unique task. As a fully functioning augmented human, he is asked by the Federation to help four similarly augmented people who have had more adverse effects to the procedures. First up is Jack, a male in his 30s who has extreme mental and physical abilities like Bashir, but has been given extreme anxiety and narcissistic personality disorder. He talks fast and always. Next is Lauren, a woman in her 40s who has extreme intellectual prowess, but the side effect is that she is thirsty as fuck. Next up is Patrick, a man in his 50s with mental abilities who had the mind of the child and is prone to petulant outbursts. Finally, there's Serena, a woman in her 20s who can read and write but does not communicate and has seemed to take in the worst of the side effects. Bashir quickly realizes that part of the trouble is the group are not given work that allows them to use their mental abilities, like he has with his medical practice. The four watch a speech from Damar, who is now the leader of Cardassian Union by process of elimination? They quickly note that he likely murdered a princess, a.k.a. Zial, and there is a, quote, deposed king, a.k.a. Dukat. Bashir brings this to Sisko, and as a task for the group, decides that they should watch the peace negotiation tapes after they happen. The Augments get to work and discover that the Dominion are offering something valuable because they want something even more valuable. They quickly determine the Dominion want access to a planet where they could make Ketracel white, which the Federation then used to say, bitch please. The Federation decides to give the Augments all of their intelligence and battle plans in order to accurately predict the future. However, it turns out the Federation are capital B boned. They argue to Bashir the best course of action is really just to surrender, and now for the Federation to just wait it out for decades until they can rise up again. Like all rational but shitty decisions, the Federation takes this with a fuck that approach. The Augments become frustrated and for what they think is the greater good decide to leak the Starfleet plans to the Dominion in order to shorten the war and reduce the casualties. They tell Bashir, but when he refuses, they tie him up and leave him with Serena. Bashir, noticing Serena is in love with Jack, convinces her to free him, and Bashir warns Odo in time. Bashir knows that with their intelligence comes arrogance, because they were not smart enough to count out Serena, and because the actions of one person changed the course of history. The Augments agree and decide even if they cannot see a victory now, they will continue to form battle plans to defeat the Dominion. What do we think of statistical probabilities? <sighs> I think I liked it, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I literally have one note for this episode, and that is I like them and I want them back. And I guess I was talking about um, the uh, the genetically engineered characters because I thought they were kind of cool and, you know, wacky and insane, but but kind of cool. Right. Um, we did watch this one a long time ago, just so everybody yeah, knows. It, it was a while. Yes. We got we got wrapped up in Christmas stuff, so mm-hmm. forgive us for being a little bit hazy on More, this one. It was about two and a half weeks ago, I think, that I watched them, So and, yeah. and I've had Christmas since then. So, we'll try our best. <laughs> How about you, Peter? What did you think of this episode way back when? All right. I, th- I thought this episode was interesting because, because I, I know we were all kind of wondering... Um, after it was revealed that Bashir had been, you know, genetically augmented, enhanced, whatever, we were like, okay, well, how are they going to bring this back besides, besides those couple of episodes where everyone seemed to just kind of have it in for him and make a comment like, stop being, stop being such a smart dick. Um, (laughs) I, 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 And he and he was just like you know and he was like fine I will now I was like I will now calculate exactly how long it'll take us to get back to exactly to get us get back to where we need to down to like the minute um when we when we almost had like you know a Star Trek Voyager moment 
but it, it was interesting to see that they tackled his augmentations by by bringing in other people who didn't fare as well as didn't fare as well as, as Bashir did it, it was a nice way to kind of bring that up I think because because then because then it wasn't just him which would have been hella boring right right um I like the setup of this episode quite a bit I like the idea that we learned that augmentation isn't just taboo it can actually have serious side effects which I think is good I think it's good to yeah. show maybe it isn't just that people are perhaps afraid of augments and it's not just the eugenic stuff. It's also there's, there's serious problems. And also since it's illegal, probably it gets fucked up quite a bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was good to do. I thought the characterization of everybody was interesting. I just think this is a case of I didn't really like most of the actors they got for the four people. Mm. Um, mm. Especially Jack, the main one. I really, really just did not respond to his choices as an actor i found him very annoying and i know that's kind of his character but i just found it more frustratingly annoying than like endearingly annoying or like you know creatively annoying if that makes any sense yeah i was yeah. kind of there too yeah um, so i think it's just a case of it's a similar problem i have with a uh, firefly episode the one where they find the guy in the coffin uh the more you watch that episode the more you realize that uh-huh. actor is not the best and it kind of ruins when you start where you're seeing these weird ticks and stuff, it starts to kind of ruin that episode for me. Um, so this is one where I was just like, I liked a lot of the elements in it. And I think there's an interesting idea of like, if you're smart enough, you know that the war is going to be over. Do you just tell everyone to quit? Like, it's kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But I just found the whole thing kind of frustrating because I wish the acting was a little more interesting. And I felt they just let everybody go. 900% ham and they probably should have been a little less you know like a little bit more should have grounded should have been just 750% ham yeah right just like just turn the ham dial back a few notches just just, just a couple never <laughs> never turn down the ham 1000% ham everyone can't yes. be Kenneth Branagh we can't always be always <laughs> at the top of the ham level there's a great picture of me from Christmas, or I think it might have been Christmas Eve, but um, I've, I've been making a lot of puns around my poor understanding girlfriend <laughs> recently, and uh, there's a picture of the two of us together that our mom took, but my cheeks are really big, and it's because I've just taken a really big bite of ham, and she decided to come by and start taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so of course I had to say here there I go again hamming it up yeah <laughs> was it honeyed she... ham I have to know probably mm. probably yeah it was good I uh, I was hungry I told Sarah this already but I was proud of my dad he had a good line where he got my mom a pressure cooker for mm-hmm. uh, Christmas and he said it's the hottest gift this year yes it's nice. a good joke. It's a good dad joke. Yep. That was when Katie said to me, please tell him that we miss them. Aww. Yeah, we had uh, Sarah and Katie over recently, and they were lovely. Yes, it was great. And we got to all three of us see each other in person. Yes. Right. We, uh, we tweeted it out on our, uh, on our, I believe Jack tweeted it out on our Twitter account. So if you yes, haven't seen that's it, right. go find that because it's a cute picture. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, they are adorable. Back of this episode, uh, I just want to note that uh, two interesting actors in this episode. Uh, first up is Hillary Shepard, who played Lauren, the uh, super ninfo augment. 
And uh, for anyone who's seen Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, which I certainly have, oh it's my the God, second right. Power Rangers movie, she is Divatox, the main. You're right. I think main baddie or second baddie. She was. I just remember her outfit was fierce. Um, I think she was the second baddie. She was yeah. like. She sort was like second boss. in command, but she was the, yeah she she was second in command, so she ended up being the one that you always saw, yeah, because you know, she's like carrying out the main baddie's orders or whatever. Definitely look up Diva Talks on the Power Rangers wiki. All boobs. the costumes are always wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, boobs. I know. I saw the second Power Rangers movie. I also know that I saw it exactly one time. Yes, when you're probably like eight right when it came out and even then i was like this is terrible oh yeah oh yeah that one's real bad <laughs> even power rangers fans don't like that one which is yeah, we're, yeah, we're all just kind of like Ugh. when power rangers fans don't like it it's that's bad that's pretty bad i think they go with animal spirits in that one too like that was the big thing where they got like seem to recall at some point everybody got like you're a wolf and you're a cow or whatever no, Maybe. no, no, that, no, that, that was that was the first one. Was that where, the first where, one? They, where they went from yeah, where okay. they where they went from being like just Power Rangers, like now we're Power Ranger ninjas, and one and one, oh, of them, yeah. one, one of them got a fucking frog, and he was really pissed about it. He was like, "Oh, really? This is it?" And you're just like, "Yeah, dude, I'm sorry." <laughs> and the uh, the other person I wanted to point out is Faith Sally. She is the she played Serena, and uh, NPR nerds like me will know recognize her from Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. She's a panelist on that. She also has her own little segment. On CBS Morning, so she's kind of like a humorist, satirist, NPR person, which means I often go cool eh, when she talks. Hmm, give a polite. <laughs> and of course, chuckle. in this, she doesn't have any lines. Of course, yeah, so we, so <laughs> so of course, we wouldn't be able to pick that out. Unfortunately, nope. that's why I was surprised. I was like, really? Hmm. That was not. Mm-hmm. Who I like thought that's that was. her. So yeah, that was an interesting one for me. Yeah, I don't know if there's much else for me to say on this one. It's just sort of okay. You know, and it was a while ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it was it was kind of out of the blue for me, at least like for me to for them to have this group of people who started suggesting, yeah, there's literally no way that we can win this war. Just surrender now. I was like, whoa, that's an mm-hmm. extreme turn. I wasn't expecting. That is true. We they they've made it very clear throughout the season that the Dominion are probably a lot better. And more equipped to take down the Federation than we uh, think. And so the Federation love their scrappy plans, as he points out. You mm-hmm. know, the whole one person can stop it is kind of a good point because the Federation love their like last minute, last ditch effort plans that tend to work. Yes, particularly when you have gods which, on your which, side. Which, 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 when you think about it, is a very like like having like the federation or you know humans let's just say have 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 a very like kind of very very guerrilla warfare last ditch effort way to way to win the war not just the battle but the war is a very is is a very man-made sci-fi thing i mean i mean i mean you i mean you like the biggest example for me is, is 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 independence day you have this alien race that's showing up to like just destroy the world and yet we somehow still win by flying ships right into like right 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 in, right into you know the ba- the barrel of their gun and it's like yep for me personally like if if we ever do get invaded by an alien race that wouldn't happen they would just show up and be like and done yeah because mm-hmm. yeah, it's like you know they can sh- get here 
shockingly the only movie that does that right, but then it fucks it up in the end. Is right because uh, it's like is, if they can get here, yeah, done. The the one movie that does that right at least the beginning is Battlefield Earth. <laughs> weirdly, because they say later in the movie that they took over humanity in like seven minutes, which is like it's yeah, if you're advanced enough. Is that, is it, now yeah, that sounds about right. They then take down cave people then take down those alien races with fighter jets at the end of the movie so you know <laughs> it's it's got to be a hollywood movie eventually so oh yeah oh, well. we, we still have to be able to win oh totally we can't just be like what we always win come on uh, we're humans we're the best that's 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 top of the food chain talking you know what i mean yes yeah. we, we we become very american we we rule everything we can win everything when those movies are made Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. If America gets conquered, our movies are gonna be so whiny. It's just gonna oh be a lot of us God. being like Meh. so bitchy, so bitchy. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines from Finding Nemo. Um, when when, he, when uh, Marlin is talking about how you know I lost my son, and you know the two sharks are talking like uh, you know, humans think they own everything, and then the other shark says probably American. <laughs> 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 Oh, man, that's good. That's great. All right. Our next episode is The Magnificent Ferengi, Yay. season six, episode 10. Yee. Yee, this is a fun one. Quark's enjoyment over his rapturous attention over his bar patrons from his shrewd purchase of syrup of squill is cut short when Dax, O'Brien, and Bashir return from another harrowing mission on the Defiant. He laments that he is not a hero like them and his longing for adventure soon comes calling the grand negus informs quark that ishka has been captured by the dominion and he expects quarks to find her plus a reward of 50 bars of latinum quark tells rom and they plan to split the profits but first decide to assemble a ragtag team first they get nog who declines as he needs to be with starfleet but they offer him the position of strategic ops officer to which he can't refuse Next, they go to Lek, a professional Ferengi assassin who cares not for money, but decides to join for free when he learns the prey is Jim Hadar. Next up, a Hail Mary, they go to Gala, the former arms dealer that Quark screwed over and got him sent to jail. Also, his cousin. While he is still angry at Quark, he is so desperate for money, he agrees. With their group assembled, they quickly run into a snag. They don't have a ship, and Cisco sure isn't going to lend them one. Just then, Brunt arrives, not to show off his shit-eating grin, but rather to inform them that he wants in. After trying to usurp Jack Zek, he was kicked out of the FCA and is now jobless. He plans to use his helping of Ishka to get his job back, despite his hatred for Quark and Ishka. The group rejects his offer till he casually mentions he still has his own ship, and they reluctantly agree. Of course, what the other four don't know is that Quark and Rom have told the group that the prize is actually 20 bars of latinum and that they plan to keep the difference. Nog tries to lead the group in hollow sweet training, but it goes poorly, so he gives up. Rom notes that Ferengis are always better negotiators than fighters, so perhaps they just need to get something so good they could trade it with the Dominion. Enter Vorda Kevin, the smarmy little shit from episode 2 of this season who has been in prison since. Kevin isn't exactly pleased to go home as Vorda are expected to kill themselves if they are threatened with imprisonment, so he's probably going to be executed. That old issue. 
The group decide to go to Empok Nor to make the trade and plan a safe spot in the Med Bay and plan to kill some of the Jem'Hadar and run away with Ishka when they arrive. However, a whole lot more arrive than expected and things go poorly. A Vorta named Yelgren presents Ishka to Ram, but Cork has it negotiated that the Jem'Hadar, besides Yelgren's personal bodyguards, have to leave. He agrees, and as they clear out, Rom lets it slip that the real prize is 50 bars of latinum. Enraged, Gala tries to suit Cork, but misses and hits Kivon, who laments his hatred of Ferengi before dying. Yelgren, growing impatient, wishes to see Kivon. The Ferengi agree to split the share evenly now if they survive. Nog, noting that a body is kinda like a machine, puts a neural stimulator on Kevin's body, or his brain rather, which makes him walk. If you consider a Frankenstein shuffle walking. They meet at the airport and they have Kevin walk over as Ishka does. Once she's safely on the other side, they kill Yelgen's body and take him prisoner. They leave with Ishka to go get their rewards, leaving behind Kivon, where legends say he's still walking into the walls of the Buckhead to this very day. What do we think of the magnificent Ferengi? It was so much fun. It really was. This was definitely a blast and it's a great example of this show getting to pay off tons of shit which yes. is awesome i love it i love payoff we get kivon back from episode two we were all like i hope he comes back and he comes back in the best fucking way possible i was so happy with that mm-hmm. and then uh we get uh um a lot of the ferengi back you get gala and you get uh brunt, brunt was my favorite another one evil ferengi <laughs> Smarmy is right. And you got Ishka back, and randomly, you got fucking Iggy Pop in this Iggy episode. Fucking Pop. Which is great. <laughs> I was not. I, I read that before I watched the episode, and I was like, what? That Iggy Pop? There's no way. And sure enough, that that very distinctive voice comes out of that very distinctive face behind all that Vorta makeup. Uh-huh. And you're like, ah. Oh. Like, there we go. Yep, yep. Let's start there. I thought he was awesome in this show. He was. He was such a perfect, pissed off, frustrated Ferengi. Vorta. Not a Ferengi. Sorry, Vorta. You're right. Very pissed off, angry Vorta. He just has that very long, drawn-out voice, you know? Yes. That I think it's just so perfect yeah. for, like, you know, uh, I'm so done with this shit. Yeah, that's the thing is, he never even sounded angry. He just sounded over it, which was great. Yeah, he yeah, he, he he always sounded like, why am I the Vorta who was sent on this mission? Why am I the one who is doing this? I have so much better things to do, but this is what I'm, this is what I have been tasked with, so let's get it over with. Yeah, he's just uh, he's just perfect for this episode. So yeah, let's let's talk about the bringing all the Ferengi back. I thought that was such a great idea, and I thought they worked really well together. Yeah, the, like the, this kind of like, when um when 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 Kivan finally got when Kivan got shot and was killed by accident, and he's like, I hate Ferengi. Like I I I mess with the two of you, and I was like, I wonder how many people have said this exact line when dealing with the Ferengi because it's like <laughs> because because it's like um like uh I I for, I forget I forget what I forget what episode it was but um 
Ah, goodness. But um, but but not but not but Nog but Nog was like kind of saying to Jake. He was like he uh, he was like he was like yeah he's like yeah. So humans, you know, humans. It's kind of your problem that you that you've moved past an economics based society and everything is just kind of who you know like, like for the betterment of everything. We 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 deal with money and and we deal with money and it's like is like considering how all of you act where like you won't do anything unless there is a profit unless there's something to gain is that such a good thing because you could because that could have fucked over everything about this mission hello oh sorry you wrote it then i know mm-hmm. yeah i think uh what i yeah, what I liked was that interplay, and it was just again all the payoff was so great. Uh, just even the little simple fact they went back to Impoc Nora, which I never thought we'd go back to. Yeah, I that, that was, was just really such neat. a one and done place. But it was like I like that. Yeah, yeah, where it's just, and I know it's like even just a simple thing of like, well, we don't even have to change the set. You know, yeah. you just rearrange probably the promenade and there right. you go. change the lighting. But boom, it's. Yeah, but it, even still, it was like, hey, neat, just to remember that. You know yeah. what I mean? Remember that we have this other station lying around somewhere. Good continuity. Know, is... Exactly. Good, exactly. Good continuity and and using Impacnor as, like, I guess at this point, now kind of an understood neutral ground, or at least it was for the episode, this episode. From here on out, probably not, because who knows? Totally, and it gave a nice thing where they were the only ones on the station, and gave a little bit of stakes to them being stuck in that you know corridor. Very much surrounded. And uh, I love dark humor, and this episode is so dark. Yes. <laughs> the end with Kifon is so fucked up mm-hmm. when you think about it. They made a corpse walk. Yes, it's so great. Yes. <laughs> This is such a nog solution to something and such a quirk reason for why they got killed why he got killed it's like uh and even just the payoff of like they are terrible shots earlier mm-hmm. and so that's why he shoots kivon instead of quirk it's because they're just awful awful warriors mm-hmm. it's just too perfect i just really enjoyed the fact that it, it paid off in such a great way like that my biggest disappointment of this episode was um, our dear beloved Jeffrey Coombs, who I love as both Brunt and Wayun, didn't did he not play both characters in this episode? Didn't Wayun show up for a little bit? He may have just been on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I think Wayun was on the beginning talking to Cisco yeah. or something like that, yeah. maybe, or he was in the but first episode. But yeah, I have I have this dream that we will get to see both. We will get to see Jeffrey Coombs as both. Brunt, or we'll see. Brunt and Wayun interact with each other. Now, I realize for yes. 1990s special effects, this probably wasn't the easiest thing to do, but it would just make me so happy, and I really thought we were finally going to get that in this episode, and it didn't happen, and I was crushed. I know. That would be flipping fantastic. It, I have to so agree. So yeah, much sass. It, it, it'll, it like I ca- like having them both on screen at, at least as far as filming will will be like a Lindsay Lohan a la Parent Trap moment before Lindsay yes. Lohan a la Parent Trap. Yeah, this is true. Well, I like the original Parent. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they do the same little trick. True. Yeah, the, it's not the hardest thing to do because you just do split screen. It just would require poor Jeffrey Coombs to go do six hours of makeup and then another six hours right. of makeup. Yeah. You know. 
So I, I think that's probably, if it never happens, why. But I do hope that he manages to some point because we need it. We need it. I need it. At yeah. the very least, I feel like you could have a brunt episode where you need him in brunt makeup and then you just throw him into like this room and then you could film him there. And then later when you film a Wei Yun episode, you put him in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking... I'm thinking like I'm in the nineties. <laughs> for 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 our planning, it's like we already have. It's like we already have this scene written. Let's just go ahead and like take care of it, uh, for like for this half, and we'll just you know match all the camera movements and everything. Right, and I was curious. Like, I loved Iggy Pop, so I'm not going to complain about that. But I was wondering if Wei Yun was the one they were negotiating with. How odd that would be. Yes. In comparison. Mm, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm so happy to see Kivon back. He's such a shit. I know. <laughs> He's tied like such I asshole. I love Kivon. <laughs> He's so Kevin. smarmy and shitty. Yes. Kevin. <laughs> Best the way, last words. Again, I hate the way he died. It was perfect. It was so perfect. <laughs> I don't think there's a, any way I'd rather want him to die. That was just wonderful. Yeah, it was like... It was like climactic without being climactic. It was just like, you know, what with how we were introduced to you, this is very much like how you should go. Just in a very small room of people who are all you just should not be around. Yep. And I like too that it's like, you know, based on the Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. And very quickly we realized which is a very famous action movie based on Seven Samurai. Yeah. Um and, you know, it's like seven great gunslingers come together to defend this town, you know. And instead, it's like six real shitty people <laughs> come together and fail constantly. <laughs> That's really great. Yeah. But they still manage because they're Ferengi and they're clever enough at the end of the day to to succeed after a lot of infighting and shooting, trying to shoot each other and all the like. So I like that a lot. That it wasn't like you know some it wasn't Blood Oath, which was you know very fun in a different way, which was that sort of similar idea of like three great. Klingon warriors coming together to, you know, uh, to help Dax or not not help Dax, but Dax came with them. But uh, that was more of an action episode, and this was very much more of a battle of wits, which I was glad for. I didn't want a bunch of shooting with uh, these Ferengi. Yeah, they're too fun. That that, that would too fun sense. to just be quiet and shooting guns. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, Peter? No, I I, I, I said that would that wouldn't have made sense if it was like, oh, we found we somehow found six Ferengi, six Ferengi that are like really good with guns it's like it's like with the ferengi that we have come to know that would make absolutely no sense <laughs> totally and it's it's so weird that like if there was like a ferengi episode of tng i'd be so angry right now and now this is one of my favorite episodes of the season this is such a blast i had yeah. such, so much fun with this episode it's a blast to the chest hey, oh! <laughs> hey. It feels like a decent way to end. Uh, is there anything else we want to say, though? <laughs> um, <laughs> not for me. Nah, I feel like we, we got to end on a pun. It's yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Love the pun. All right. Well, next week we will be discussing season six, episode eleven, and episode twelve, which are waltz and I don't even want to say no. it. Who mourns for more? No. no. no to actually cry you guys i'm not uh, ready uh, yeah i'm not pre- never i'm be not ready. prepared i'm not prepared we're not we're all not prepared to lose our favorite character <laughs> sorry mm. everyone else Mourn! Mourn! Our, our, 
A character we love so much, he's the only one on our cover art. That's right. <laughs> he's the only one who could be on our cover art. No one else. It would just be like, why are you here? It'd be like a very why are you here moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, we're not ready, but you guys can listen to us next week as we wallow in sadness and you can enjoy Who Mourns for Mourn? We Mourn for Mourn. I think that's pretty obvious. Crying for Everyone 10 minutes. Mourns for Mourn. <laughs> as always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>